Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peachtree Hoops podcast, where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'm recording with Glenn Willis of Peachtree Hoops on a Sunday night after the Super Bowl. Uh, I guess, Glenn, where should we start? How about this? Are, are the Hawks better without John Collins? Uh, no. <laughs> that was a short segment, Kevin. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> Who do you like for the Hawks in the lottery? Oh, I, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> if they win the lottery, you know, okay. obviously we're hoping they, they're not in the lottery. But, I mean, I haven't looked at Tankathon to see or or 538 or whatever to kind of see what their projection is in the playoffs, meaning the inverse would be the probability of them being in the lottery. So it's not a wild and crazy idea right now, even if it's one that we want to hope they are able to kind of play past. Okay. Um, what did you think of tonight's outcome, or I guess today's outcome against Boston? We'll start there. We got a Spurs game too, but let's let's deal with the most recent one first. Yeah, you know, I I thought the defensive uh, execution and effort was awesome in the first half. Um, not perfect, but I mean. Even the best defensive team in the league rarely has a, an entire half of basketball where that they're perfect on that end. But they were pulling in help from the weak side in a timely manner. Uh, they were working hard at the point of attack for the most part. Um, and they were able to uh, – they did a better job getting back in transition and kind of getting connected than they have in a while in the first half, in my view. Um, and then just like um, – Nate and Trey and Bogey all mentioned after the game, things just kind of went off the rails in the third quarter. To, to me, it started with, with a hundred or four fouls and two, two minutes and three seconds, I think it was. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about at the traded line, like, could the Hawks use another guy that could kind of, you know, play behind him and kind of replicate some of his defensive role. And that was a big gap today. I thought, um, I thought it was interesting how, Boston kind of got him, lured him into foul trouble, if you will. But right. like Herder could do nothing with Tatum all day today, which is a, a little surprising. Not that, you know, we, we think of him as like being a guy that could shut down Tatum. But he, I mean, Tatum was being very physical and trying to drive straight at the rim on Herder, and he was pretty successful most times. So I thought when uh, when uh, Hunter had to go to the bench with his fourth foul, that it, that's when it came apart for them. And when things like that happen, when adversity happens, you have to hold it together. And they weren't able to see that in the third quarter today. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think obviously of the pair, I mean, maybe it's not obvious, but I, you know, they, they started Herder on Brown and it seemed like he had a pretty good first half, but it feels like it's again, it feels like it has been a forgettable week for Herder uh, after a really good season. It just, it seems like he's getting, knocked out of the play a lot like just like on physical contact he's like bouncing off of people I don't I don't know what that means or but it just seems like one bump and then he's out of the play I don't it's it's been weird yeah I, I think what I'm seeing is this is kind of just a theory at this point I want to I'll have to watch some more and see if it works out but I still think he's a better defender chasing over screens for sure. Uh, and not and not quite as good, like, right at the point of attack. Like, when Jalen Brown was attacking, he did fine. But Jalen Brown is, like, an average ball handler at best. I mean, he, you know, Jalen doesn't have a ton of 
dribble craft to kind of get you off balance and things like that, like a lot of the better scores in the league do. Um, Tatum kind of has, you know, a lot more of that and he's just taller and he knows how to kind of get to the front of the rim when, when he can kind of muscle his way there. So, you know, I still think Herter is not a guy you want defending at the point of attack as a primary guy kind of in that role. He's good chasing, you know, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, those types over. He's, you know, he's really, really good at that, where Hunter is good at chasing guys with the ball over screens. He's, he's better at navigating ball screens. And so, you know, I think they're struggling to kind of find the mix that just kind of worked out last year. I still reflect back to the series against the Knicks series, plural, against the Knicks and Sixers, and there weren't that many, you know, um, threatening offensive players to kind of cover and so guys were able to kind of settle into the role that kind of kind of worked for them. And as this season kind of unfolds, that's just not um, presenting itself that way. Like today, Herder had to try to deal with Tatum at the point of attack. And it, it and that was part of why things didn't go well. Nate never turned to TLC or Knox, depending on what one thinks about those two. At least TLC kind of has some size and such, but it's, it's kind of interesting that he just kind of rode Herder and eventually brought Hunter back. But I, I still think kind of Reddish not working out leaves them, uh, you know, short of depth defensively in a specific way. And I think we saw that today. On the offensive end, what's going on with Herder and Hunter, to me, I'm still trying to kind of watch scheme-wise what's going on. I, you know, I, I put a little of this on Twitter. But I, I think they're still trying to attack mismatches too, mismatches too much and getting into isolation. I thought Boston really drew them into that today, even after they had, I thought, some good action and good activity in right. the first quarter and kind of going into the second quarter. And I just think Herder and Herder lifting kind of into a DHO and kind of coming from the corner into the middle of the floor, <laughs> excuse me, is what he's best at. And, you know, I put a, a sure. play out on Twitter today where he, he caught a defender one-on-one on the weak side and attacked. And it was, there was all that space for him to work on. And I think that's that's good. And that's fine. That happened when Trey was off. But I still think all the best work we've seen from Herter is lift, 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 lift into the DHO, lift from the corner into that pocket of the three-point break. And that's just gone. Like with all of this focus on attacking mismatches, drawing bigs out on Trey in isolation, or drawing Gallo or JC kind of down to the mid post with a smaller guy. We talked about the fact that that consumes shot clock. And I think when the ball gets to Hunter or the ball gets to Herder, emphasizing those two right now, they're not really set up for success right now. And, um, you know, and we've seen times when the ball kind of moves sharply to them and they're in a good spot up situation. In those cases, like Hunter knocked down a couple of threes in the first quarter, I think today, where it was off of that good, crisp, sharp ball movement. But that is, that, basically disappeared across the game and i think hunter and herder while fans are really kind of frustrated with them i think they are suffering from the direction in which the offensive scheme has gone whether whether that's mostly a result of coaching and they wanting them to attack mismatches or i think it's mostly the league kind of got to take up with the hawks and have figured out how to draw them into that action and get them away from what they do best yeah, I think I know the play you were talking about with her lifting, and it, maybe it's a different one because it wasn't really a DHO. I don't think he was sort of lifting around a a screen and kind of getting a ball on the run. But he's you know he's right. he's attacking before the catch, like he's he's got a head of steam, and, right. that, and that works for him. 
Yeah, exactly. He's on the list. And uh, I think if, if it's the one that we're, we're talking about the same play, DeAndre kind of got down almost to the rim and kicked it out to the weak side when the extra right. defender kind of came down and, and he had a lot of space and, and caught it with good space and kind of on the front of his feet as opposed to kind of the ball finding him with like six seconds on the shot clock or whatever. And he's got a guy right in front of him and he's got like, Oh, okay. You know, and, you know, we've seen him, you know, get down into the paint uh, to kind of hit, you know, those mid range shots. Well, um, but you know, a lot of that has come off of floppy and I, I don't think I saw a single floppy possession today. And so they've kind of gone away from that too, you know? And so I do think that there's an issue with, scheme direction offensively and I think that um you know not that I not that I want to kind of try to alleviate any responsibility for Herder and Hunters as professionals to kind of work it out, figure it out. But I just think they're not catching the ball. They're not getting the ball. They're not being set up in in spots and in actions that, that create the most success for them. I, I think I feel like that's all disappeared. Okay. Um what do you think of the auto bench with, with Hunter, you know, getting those fouls in quick succession? I think by the fourth one, it looked like a foul of frustration, but do you, do you leave him in there? Do you, I mean, it just, it felt like surrender because at that point you've got nobody to guard Tatum. I, I think I texted or, you know, I, I mentioned that maybe that should be Capella <laughs> like, and not because I really want it. Like you Capella just, you know, he looks, spry these days like he's pretty quick moving uh quicker than he was at the beginning of the season and you know when you're when you're two three four are bogey herder and gallo it's like well who do you want guarding brown like i'm sorry who do you want guarding tatum like bogey offers some strength but he doesn't have the size uh and he doesn't have the quickness that that he may have had last season Uh, you don't want gallo i don't want gallo doing it i don't want I mean, Herder was the best option if it's not Capella, and and that didn't go well. Like I just, they don't have that when when you don't play Hunter. And I honestly, for me, I just I don't like the auto bench. Like it's just, I mean, if he fouls out, he's going to lose some minutes. So okay, well, what are you doing by auto bench? You're just taking away his minutes. Like he played the whole fourth, but by that point, it was, you know, it was a much bigger hole than it would have been had they just left it in. Like I. I kind of get taking him out because it looked like he just needed like a minute, but I, I wouldn't have left him out for the rest of the third. I would have gone to him a lot. I would have gone right back to him. And honestly, like they're the referee. Like, are you going to really, are you going to call six fouls on him in one quarter? Sure. Go ahead. You, you get your name in the newspaper for that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, uh, kind of looking at it through a coach's lens, I think he wasn't viable like right away. You touched on it there. I think he was incredibly frustrated, especially to pick up two on defense, two on offense. Right. You know, and I mean, and the Celtics had Williams on him. I thought that was mostly second half, but then when I rewatched the good bit of the game, I realized they were doing a decent amount of that in the first half too. But and, and Trey wanted to draw out Williams one on one, and that was kind of what they were looking for, and that's where his screen setting and Marcus Smart just. Marcus Smart will just plow into you and make it look funny and uh, see if the ref makes a call. And he got two there. Um, I don't think it was consecutive possessions, but I think it was like on three and three possessions. But yeah, I, he looked so frustrated that he needed to sit for a little while, whether he could have come back after, you know, three or four minutes or something like that is, is a fair question. But I mean, Nate's kind of old school in a lot of ways and you know he's going to kind of, 
work the formula of like, okay, well, the, the risk, you know, formula is to bring him back maybe in the fourth. And I, I don't think he made it that far. I think he got back in for part of the third, if I remember correctly. Oh, maybe. But in the, yeah, perhaps, maybe. Um, when it got really, really ugly. Uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know for sure. I don't have it right in front of you, but that, that feels like what I saw. But but yeah, I mean, they, they had absolutely nothing for Tatum when Hunter was on the bench. And to me, that's a, a roster issue as, as, as much anything else um, you know, for me. Um, you know, I, you know, in the follow-up, I'm not, for Peace Your I'm, I'm writing the follow-up kind of right now. And I wrote, you know, Travis, you know, didn't make a move at the deadline. We have no idea what was available. You know, um, but it would have been nice if they could have added another kind of defensive wing, especially since there's the open roster spot right now. But I mean, 42 points in the third quarter ended up being more than the Hawks scored in the entire second half. It's somehow the Hawks got it down to five about halfway through the fourth, I think. And then at that point, I think they were just kind of um, being outplayed. Yeah, I I hated. I hated the first foul on Hunter so much. Like it was, it was, it was Marcus Smart who's right-handed, driving right, gets a crease to his right, and then he just lurches his left hand through Hunter's, you know, like be- between like where his arm and his head are, just kind of over his shoulder, and makes some contact. And it's like he's going right. He's right-handed. The only reason he like did anything with his left is he's just trying to force a foul there. It was just, I don't know. I, I kind of lost it on that one. It was just an unnatural motion. Yeah. I mean, and I, there's a lot I like about Marcus Smart's game and the way he helps his team, but I, I don't understand how the officials haven't caught. I mean, how many years have you been in the league now? This is like six or seven, right? I mean, whatever, somewhere in that range. And like officials still haven't caught up with the fact that he creates all this like you know fake contact and you know so that's not to say that's what happens all the time and Marcus Smart no, is involved in something sure. not at all but it's like you you know if there's a if there's a list of short list of players in the league where you gotta where it feels like you need to be kind of extra sure about what you saw he's he should be on the list in my in my mind anyway. How would you deal with the rotation? for the, at least the next two games, knowing that John Collins isn't going to play. Like like Boston played seven and a half players, I think. And the Hawks right. got to like Lou Williams, so they were playing nine. And like it felt like the bench was doing pretty well if you sort of excluded Lou from the equation. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess it's his first game back after an injury, but uh, it felt like the the Celtics were a little more efficient with their rotation than, than the Hawks were. Yeah, for sure. And it, and it's kind of helped by, um, I guess that was Derek White's second game, um, you know, there with them. But yes. I, I feel like, I feel like they're, it felt like, I don't know this, but it's like part of the reason they shortened the rotation was just to give their core group of guys a chance to play together, you know, and then you're heading towards the break, you can kind of push their minutes a little bit more. Right. I think, um, you know, but we, like we didn't see a ton of pressure, you know, for example, um, and such. So, you know, so it's, you know, and I guess the, I guess the, the Tice trade hasn't cleared yet, I guess. So he wasn't right. 
available. So they had to kind of manage with Williams and Horford. And I don't think Grant played at the five today at all. Um, I think Williams and Horford, Grant, Robert Williams will recover all that. But, you know, on the Hawks side, you know, could they shorten it? I mean, Gallo, I mean, how many minutes can Gallo play? And then who else is going to play at the four? Are you going to push Hunter up to the four? Um, does that help him right now to kind of to find some confidence and find some rhythm? Um, I'm guessing it's at least questionable if that's the case to kind of take him away kind of from what he's been doing since the came in the league, which is really kind of playing at the three. But it, you know, and then especially like against Cleveland, you're going to go up against Mobley and Allen and Kevin Love and, you know, and, you know, moving Hunter up is not going to be ideal in that matchup, right? Um, so, uh, so, I mean, it's tough. I mean, you could play, I mean, Nate, I think ahead of the game, but they talked about possibly playing Capella and Akonga together. I'm, I'm assuming they would have been in the zone if that would have happened. Um, but that that's, I would guess, an option against Cleveland because they don't have a ton of perimeter shooting. Um, so I, it, I think what, the way I would solve for it on Tuesday is play the, the two centers together and play some zone and kind of try to get by some minutes that way. It's probably what I would do. I suppose. I mean, it, I don't know. It just it doesn't seem like they need as much from like they could. It like if Bogey is going well and you've got Delon right, like do you really have to dig all the way down to to using sort of your ninth person as a backup point guard? Like there there are minutes for Herder. The Herder played twenty six. Delon played fifteen and a half. It just seems like. There's there's some slack in the guards without really even a whole lot of shifting of forwards that you could you could get by uh, with with maybe like less Lou like use Lou maybe like the Celtics use Pritchard like you, he's in there for a little bit but not you know not a full bench stint like some of these other guys. Yeah, did you see anything that caught your eye around Delon not getting more minutes today? I mean, the Hawks. You know, we're having a bad third quarter, and then all of a sudden I look up and Trey and Lou are on the court together. I'm like, that's not going to solve that issue. Yeah, um, so, I think that, that's exactly the – yeah, exactly. In that type of situation, it just, just seems like that would be ideal for DeLon, and, and they're going to Lou. I don't, I don't understand. I have no clue on that one. Absolutely I no guess, clue. I, mean, I guess we should ask. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Gallo didn't have anything going, and sometimes I know coaches just feel like I need to have more offense in the court right now. Because you know Gallo wasn't making shots yeah. at that point, Hunter wasn't making shots. So, if you ask Nate, he might have just said, "I need more offense in the court." But I still think, uh, you know, the primary issue was the defense. You know, in an offense, you could put Lou on the court, but if you're still attacking that same way that the way that I'm watching them, in a way that, you know, that frustrates me, all of the focus on mismatches. Um, you know, and and I don't. I want to be clear and say, like, I don't think they should do none of that. I just think that when you, you when you watch their wings struggle, kind of find things that work for them, that's when I think you're really undermining your five-man unit. So, I mean, and you know, DeLon can kind of help get the ball to whoever needs to get the ball if you're really wanting to chase those mismatches and such. But, yeah, it's uh, I'm kind of baffled right now. Is there anything else you want to discuss with regard to the Celtics game? Nothing comes to mind. I mean, I, I you know, with Trey's performance, I, I wonder if 
we're seeing him wear down, or I wonder if we're seeing, I wonder if today we saw the impact of no JC. The, you know, they didn't really didn't create any lobs today. I think there was one from Bogey to Capella, if I remember correctly. And yes. that's the only one I remember. Um, now, Boston pinches down like as much as anybody in the league. We talked about, you and I right. talked about Toronto, how much they pulled into the week side. Boston is kind of at that same level, but JC is just a you know, dynamic in that way. So, um, you know, it's, and I don't know if listeners know this, but, you know, the Hawks beat the Boston the first few times they had matchups. Now, Boston wasn't playing very well earlier in the season, you know, right. and I think the Hawks today caught the Boston playing the best. They played all season long during that in that stretch, um, right? You know, but JC was really good uh, those first two games, and and he was efficient attacking those mismatches uh, there in a way that Capella is never going to do in the post, in a way that the Kongu is not right now going to be able to do in the post. I thought they missed the Kongu a couple times at the front of the rim today, but he had his guy sealed. But that's different from putting in the mid post, letting him kind of go to work and things like that. And so, you know. I don't know if I mean it, it doesn't it never has to be one thing but I, I do wonder if the workload is testing up with Trey I do wonder if he'd get more help if they were running more um, pistol and floppy and other stuff where they're lifting into DHOs and things like that I, I wonder if he'd be getting more help from those things so um, you know it's it's concerning we'll have to see what the plan is you know for the back-to-back this week but um, that that yeah, see what else, anything else in the Boston game? I just when I watch Trey today, I wonder is like is he starting to hit a wall? I mean, thankfully the All Star breaks right around right on the corner, but that's the other kind of thing that I thought. Yeah, uh, Boston is weird in that you know I, I think with Brown and Tatum and just with the overall rhythm, especially like right now that Boston has going, like. And I'm not even knocking them as defenders, but like just the fact that Brown and, and Tatum are as good as they are on offense and require as much attention as they do kind of makes Boston, I think, just a better defensive team because you're, you're just expending a certain amount of effort on defense, worried about them, that when you come down on your end on offense, that you just you lose a little bit just in terms of physicality and endurance. I thought Trey was super physical on defense today. Like I thought... He was uh, sure. like, he, you know, he, he was when it was time to rotate, like he was in full out sprints. You know, there were a lot of situations where they tried to pick on him one on one and just kind of back their way down. And he was doing what he could to stand up to them. So, I, I, I you know, when we say that, you know, Trey maybe is, you know, wearing down a little bit, it might not be like long term wear. But, you know, I look at it as maybe just in that game it was a little bit of short term wear because he was he was expending a lot on the defensive end. I think that's a great point. I think, I think Trey is a guy where finding that balance is always going to be a little bit tricky, you know, um, because he can give you so much on offense, unlike, you know, almost any other player in the league, but you need him to, to give you that on defense too. And, and that's where in my mind, I want to see them run things that get Herder and Hunter feeling comfortable again and feeling like they're set up for success again, because that will hopefully give Trey some of that back. Um, you know, even though he was, I thought it was one of the better defensive games of the year, you know, today. Yeah. Uh, what about the Spurs game? Good. I mean, it feels like it was a bad it – was, it was like a bad matchup gone worse because the Spurs, you know, they're essentially playing four guards. 
And so that kind of puts Collins in a bad spot. And then if he's playing on a bad heel, it puts him in a much worse, much worse spot because he, he can't take advantage of them on offense, on defense. You know, he's constantly playing like a big, getting sucked in. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, wait, I got to go out there. And he, you know, you could almost watch his gate and it was like, oh, yeah, that doesn't look great. I, but, you know, the, the biggest thing was just the transi- transition defense was abysmal. Like the Spurs were like, okay, you scored. We're going to run really fast and we'll score back on you. Like it was just, and, and the Hawks were in disarray giving up baskets in transition after made baskets. Yeah, and I mean, what jumped out to me, I, I thought the defensive effort was poor. Um, now, I, you know, I, I said this, but I always think the first game after the trade deadline is kind of a, <laughs> a weird yeah. game for a lot of teams because you're like, oh, nobody got traded, or oh, I wish there would have been a trade, or I wish that guy would have been. I mean, who knows, like team by team by team, <laughs> kind of what the emotions are, you know, and things like that. Like, I remember the one that jumps out at me in my memory, like when LeBron's, I think last year in Cleveland, when they got rid of uh, Isaiah Thomas and, I, and a few other guys and brought in like Jordan Clarkson. And like, I think, I think Cleveland had one game before the all-star break. They would out just absolutely mash someone. And it was like, you could tell that they were like, Oh my God, these guys that weren't fitting are gone now. And these guys who were trying to kind of, consume some usage on the offensive end but doing it in ways that don't really work for us or God, you know so i mean there, there's so many different ways to kind of think about that so it sucks because the hawks need every win they can get right now but i i do almost think of like the first game after the all-star break being a fair mulligan for any team just because of the the tension and the, the kind of the, the uncertainty and the ambiguity and all that sort of stuff and these guys are human beings and so you know but there still has to be some standards and, you know, the, the effort on defense was unacceptable. The attention to detail and transition and the effort to kind of get back and get connected was horrible. And so even if it's a game on the schedule where you look at, okay, and you're like, okay, I could kind of think of this one as a mulligan. There still has to be some standard and they didn't, they didn't meet the most minimal standards around that. So, you know, it, and I agree with you. It was a tough matchup um, for them. Um and and again, the wing depth, the lack of wing depth, kind of shows up there. Does would Nate have played kind of Trey and three wings in the big? You know, if he had more wing, I, I mean, that's questionable because Nate is you know, you know pretty formulaic in, in the way he approaches things. You know, um, but I mean, I was breaking down some film after that game, and I got to the end of the first quarter, and I was like, I, I can't imagine there's any examples from the second, third, or fourth quarter that's different than what we saw in the first quarter so i just stopped it was it was like it was that bad i mean in transition the spurs ball handlers were driving as deep as the free throw line and nobody literally nobody picking them up yeah and and then, and then you watch the spurs play transition defense and one time trade dribbled as far as the three-point line and no one picked it up top call a timeout so two times the spurs completely screwed up a single possession of transition defense and pop called a timeout the Hawks are not getting organized back, uh, connected time after time after time. And, and they, you know, and the coaches have different philosophies on timeouts. Like some coaches are like, I'm not going to call timeouts to bail you guys out of this basic garbage. You guys should be able to figure out. You should need a timeout for that. Phil Jackson was saying for that, right? He'd like, he'd tell his team, you play through it. I'm not bailing you out with a timeout. Um, 
so the, you know, it's not like I want to say Pop did it right and they did it wrong because there's all sorts of philosophies, but it was that that was as hard of a watch as I think there's been all year long for me because <laughs> I was like, where is the basic, you know, fundamental on defense? It's just not there. Yeah, it was it was a weird vibe. Like the Hawks, I don't know exactly what their record was before that, like eight and three and eleven games or something, and like. Sounds right. That that performance was so bad that like everybody was just like despondent after the game, and it's like that really was bad. Like you, <laughs> it like just swung everything from hey things are pretty good, and it's just like, oh wow this is this is a disaster. Like it, the the vibe after the game, it was it felt like they'd lost ten games in a row. It was just like it it, it was weird. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if to chalk that up to, but um, I mean, to the credit, after the game today, like Trey said, we didn't play defense so against the Spurs, you know. Yeah. Um. So you know, so he he said what it was, but I mean, I, you know, you and I've watched this team all season long, and uh, obviously before that, but you know, we've seen this team come into games where they are kind of widely accepted as the favorite, and look, I don't want to say I can, I can like speak to what's in their mind, but looked like they're taking it for granted and looking like the win should come kind of effortlessly. And all of a sudden you're going up against a, a, a really professional team like the Spurs, even though they play a bunch of young guys and DeJounte Murray is, you know, a completely different player was the last time they saw him. He put in so much work this offseason and everything. He's an all-star and he deserves it. But I mean, you're 10th in the conference and you're like, you know, pretty good distance out of, you know, uh, six, which will get you out of the play-in. You you can't be coming in the games against sub five hundred teams. Oh, by the way, you are one a sub five hundred team. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you know, again, I don't want to say, but I know it's in their head. But they looked like a team that was like, oh, this game's going to come, the win's going to come to us with like seventy percent effort or seventy five percent effort or whatever, and all of a sudden bling bling and they're buried and that's got to stop you know if, if, if that's part of what's going on is they're taking these like that for granted that's got to stop too, too late yeah. i mean you like to say that should never happen but we all know the nba season the grind and every team has whatever five games a year where it's just like the energy's not there they're tired the schedule's been brutal and all that kind of catches up with you all at once you got no legs can't make shots and you're not really into playing max effort on defense. I mean, see, you're going to, no matter who you watch, even the best team in the league, you're, if you watch 82 games of that, you'd see, my view, about five games like that for every team. The Hawks are out of those, in, in my mind. You know, right. the, the urgency should be there, and it wasn't there for whatever reason. It was, so. Fair enough. Uh, so we don't really just need to say a whole lot more about that one, or do or is there something else you want to? I don't, I don't think so. I, it was I, just yeah. yeah. If if the defense yeah. is bad, the defense is bad. And they were really really good on defense in the first quarter today, and then I, they just lost. It was like today the third quarter with Hunter went out. It was like okay, the, we have a variable now where you have Hunter, and it's all out the window, you know. And and they kind of. Fought, at least they tried to fight back with what they had today. It didn't kind of work out, but you could see them kind of work with urgency. It wasn't like they just stopped running back on defense and stopped communicating and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I got to say, Kevin, as we're, I think, winding up here and reflecting on kind of 
these last five games or whatever, my top, top, top concern is they've got to get back to doing things that help Hunter and Herder bring offensive value and production. I'm really concerned with the complete disappearance of Floppy and Pistol and other uh, kind of swinging to the weak side and using a DHO and kind of getting those guys lifting into a handoff and getting the, the ball with some leverage on their defender. That stuff is gone. That stuff has just disappeared. And that's, and I know they're still like second in the league in offense, you know, but that's not going to work. That's going to shift even more workload, more burden to Trey. And right. I think when I watched Herder today, I was like, he looks like I was frustrated. And I can imagine like, okay, you're not getting the ball, you know, in spots where you're set up for success. You're not, he's not ever attacking down onto the paint anymore and kind of hitting those, you know, pulled up like eight to 12 footers. Like we see that that's, that's just disappeared, you know? When's the last time we saw him attack with that left-handed layup? That kind of you know, he was kind of patenting there. Yeah. So I'm really, really worried. Uh, the, the defense is going to cut. They have enough players minus the wing depth if Hunter gets hurt or in foul trouble, but they have enough to kind of give themselves enough defense for how good they are on offense. But in my mind, probably number one needs to get Hunter and her off track, back on track, and and that comes down to going back to things that set them up for success. So I just want to log that as my top concern right now. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, like you, you can look at their offense defense numbers and say, Oh, well, it's a great offensive team and their defense is, you know, middling to poor, but like the, the, the Clint Capella that started the season, he's, he's gone. Like Capella is moving on defense. And so like, sure. If it feels like if they could score enough points to to give the defense a break, the defense could really get into a groove and do well because Capella's covering a lot of ground on defense these days that you know completely unlike what he was he was putting out there in November and December. Maybe he feels better, he's in shape, or his heel feels better, or whatnot. But he's he's protecting the rim like he's he's doing his job now, and so you, you and- feel like if you start there. And the rest of the team is just kind of competent and has Hunter plus a little bit more that they can kind of put a defense together around around the way Capella and and Akongu are putting you know forty eight minutes of center defense out there. Yeah, and and we yeah, I feel like we should today. One of the things that kept him in the game was Capella's rebounding. He was yeah. awesome on the boards today. You know, um, so um, yeah. So they, number they, two offense, they, but need, it needs some fixes. It 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 does. Um, it, you know, for I'm really worried about what they're running and not running, and how it's impacting Hunter and Herder for the most part. Bogey is a more veteran guy with a ton of experience and can kind of create a shot in ways that those guys, the younger guys, can't. You know, so it's impacting Bogey less. I still think it, we'd get more from Bogey. Like we remember in the playoffs like how many times that they ran that play where Herder would attack from the left three-point break down to the paint and Bogey would cut out to kind of the left corner left high corner and and just had that perfect kick out pass to Bogey and Bogey was when's the last time we saw that you know I don't I don't remember you know mm-hmm. so you know if if Nate's DMs were open and if I were the type which I'm not I would be like, hey, yo, Nate, what are you doing to kind of help get these wings going offensively? All of their, all of their best actions have disappeared. What's going on? Let's get back to that. So it's uh, that's I'll, I will uh, telepathically send that in this direction. <laughs> all right.
Sounds good. Well, I, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and, uh, you get a break next weekend because it's All Star Weekend. Unless you want to talk about the three point contest, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Glenn. <laughs> Thanks, Kevin. Have a good night.